Welcome everybody to the Game Ology Podcast, episode 35 in our continuation of a look at the Mario series. This episode will be called The Good, The Bad, and The Super Mario 3D World. I am one of your hosts, Matthew Falvey, and I'm joined by... Attila Gabriel Brianski. All right, Attila. We've laughed at this name, Super Mario 3D World. It's a very Japanese way of naming something to just continue adding more adjectives. It's It's got an interesting lineage. Super Mario 3D Land had come out for the 3DS. Um, I, I'm not sure they really know, knew where to go after Mario Galaxy had, had explored the 3D space so well. But I will say I really, really enjoy the direction that they went in this one. And I I had a lot more fun with this game than I did with Galaxy. Hmm, that's interesting. I guess it really comes down to um, the sort of the fundamental difference between the two games is like Mario Galaxy, you enter a sort of sandbox and you play in that sandbox and then you play uh, in the 3D land and 3D world, you're playing sort of one-off levels. So it's a bit more structured, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's definitely... It's more of a linear game in a way, whereas like the the 3D Mario's they tend to have like an open area, more like you said, more sandbox, more puzzle. Uh, it wasn't really about worrying about enemies killing you, or and the tougher levels were about some pits and some platforms. But I feel like 3D World is is more focused and more linear. Enemies are a bit more of a problem because you are um, focused more to that. It's I feel like it's more of a hybrid between 3D and 2D. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting space in terms of, like, I'd say there's now sort of three lines of Mario games going. There's the um, sort of 2D Marios that are going under the new Super Mario Brothers line of games. There's the sort of uh, in-between, which is the uh, 3D Land, 3D World games, one for 3DS, one for Wii U. And then there's the sort of actual like open world-ish 3D Mario games which uh like Mario 64, Mario Sunshine and Mario Galaxy and then mm-hmm. of course the upcoming uh title for the Nintendo Switch. Right now one of the one of the things that makes this more of a hybrid is that there's a fixed camera. Uh that's something I really like cuz you're not fighting to control the camera at any point. That's never a problem unless the developers made a serious yeah. oversight. Another part I really like about it is that they've switched from a pure 360 degree or however however many degrees you actually have of movement and now it's it's uh, locked into an eight-way directional and the thing I really like about that is that you can have a very very narrow platform but because that platform is locked on the correct angle Mario can run on um, I think I think you yeah. just it feels like you have more control. They've taken away control, but it feels like you have more precision. Uh, I feel like I can navigate more treacherous spaces. Yeah, so you don't have the issue of like, gosh, this was a really big issue when I was playing through uh, Ocarina of Time with my sister. We were creating save states whenever we needed to walk across something narrow, just because of how difficult that was. And it, 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 it that should never be the hardest part of your game is walking in a straight line. Exactly. And I, I think that's something that they've always struggled with in the 3D space. You know, even generations on, it's it still can be a bit of a problem. And it's what you saw in Mario Galaxy where they just slowed everything down. And and I felt like that sapped away some of the fun for me. Where in a Mario game, I have the most fun when I can run at full speed. And I feel like 3D World rewards that. So did you play as Toad? Oh, yeah. Almost always Toad. <laughs> um, when I first played it, I think I was Princess. And then I realized that the game isn't really that challenging into the later levels. And I'll whip her out when... I need um, a little bit more uh, insurance, but I think the game does a pretty good job of 
I mean, if you die a few times, they'll give you a cat suit or they'll give you different power up, and they're they're, they're pretty generous with the power up. So I didn't really find the game all that challenging. Did you? Oh, God, I mean, like I couldn't beat this game because I found it too challenging. Um, did you unlock the crown world? Oh, see, that's I just went through the main the main uh, main line of the game. I didn't unlock any of the secret parts, which I've heard are a lot more difficult. Oh yeah. So hang on, did you even unlock Rosalina? Oh, you know what? I think with this one I got right to the end and then didn't. So here I am talking about how easy the game is, and I haven't even beat it. <laughs> yeah, it's um, I found it like a nice level of challenge. Like it wasn't mm-hmm. at any point like frustratingly difficult. Um, just this is uh, the sort of number one thing that whenever I see kids starting out with uh, designing levels for their games, is they will make them like super super hard just like filled with enemies and obstacles and things that'll kill them and it's like oh it's still technically possible it's like yeah but no one's gonna find this fun or entertaining they're gonna they're not even gonna play it because it's too difficult and uh, i think they got the sort of density of enemies and obstacles at a really good level in this game at least for the level of challenge that i wanted out of an experience like this yeah, I think that this is a game that if you look at the colors, if you look at the artistic style, the music, it's supposed to be a bit of a, a walk in the park in a way, and then it, it can turn into a gradual incline and then a hike. But I, I think what they do really well is that they lock away the more difficult challenge. And yeah. the first, at least the first few worlds are, are a nice introduction into that style and are generally pretty fun. I mean, oh man, one of my favorite things is that when you first get to that race, and you're on not a race but you're riding that uh, water dinosaur and not having mm-hmm. to use gyro controls yeah i loved and not having to waggle the the Wiimote to um to do anything precise i loved but speaking of controllers you know a really fantastic thing about this game is that uh four people can play simultaneously yeah which is um doesn't necessarily make it easier in fact i think it makes it a lot more difficult to especially with some of the timed platforms where if you jump the it changes the landscape of the platforms but what i liked mm-hmm. about it was that if you had Wiimotes, if you had class controllers whatever you had yeah you can jump it in play yeah you can drop in and you can drop out and they make that very very easy so did you get much of an opportunity to play with other people i had played with one other person he was a he's a hardcore nintendo fan up to say the GameCube era, and then he he sort of dropped out for a while. So this was the perfect game for him to jump in and understand what was going on. Um, and and they have a nice little uh, bubble feature where if if somebody in your team is holding you back, they can just click a button and float to safety while the more skilled person f- figures out the challenge. Yeah, I think it's something that they sort of borrowed from the like this game borrows a lot from the um, New Super Mario Brothers and the 3D Mario games just in terms of those mechanics. Like, that bubble mechanic was in the new Super Mario Brothers games. Mm-hmm. Did you get a chance to play with anybody? Uh, you know, I think there was one point where I jumped in on a game with a number of people, but I did play the majority of the game just on my own. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I don't think that it's necessary to have somebody to play, but I like that the option was there and yeah. that, they made it, that they made it so uh, so simple. Um you know, the uh, the speed burst was something that's quite a lot different from the other games. Rather than it being mm-hmm. a, a gradual ramp up, it's it's locked into this sort of two tier, uh, like, I guess, like a, a puff of speed. And what yeah. I liked about it is that when you hit 
that's uh, first and second tier, you can you can maintain that speed until you bump into something. So I think it it becomes a fun little mini game in a way of trying to maintain that momentum as long as possible. Yeah, like a sort of like making the actual traversal of the space its own little puzzle. Like whereas bumping into something doesn't injure you, but it does kill your speed. Right. Just like if you were hopping into a, an ice skate. Actually, that's something I missed from Mario Galaxy. I think Galaxy did uh, the ice traversal better than any Mario ever because you can use, even though you have to waggle yeah. the Wiimote, which I hate, it uh, turns Mario basically <laughs> uh, into a guy with skates. And it uh, it's, it's a lot more fun because you're moving faster, but they add the challenge of a slower turn radius and the punishment of killing all momentum if you hit something. Yeah. I definitely think it was... Um an interesting decision to add this like the the speed burst mechanic it's like i don't know a sort of way to make the game a bit more like a sort of speed run challenge like how quickly can you get through a level by using these speed bursts because i tried to make zarnok fortress a bit more speed run friendly in terms of having like generous dashing mechanics and lots of different traversal abilities and i wasn't exactly sure what would really make the game like enticing to speedrunners because i think when you see a lot of the popular speedruns on the internet they're mostly about exploiting like glitches and things that let you go faster than the game intends you to be able to go so Mm -hmm. when you have these mechanics that are built in to let you go faster i'm not sure how much people care about that sort of thing i guess like i i never i never really know if there's a sort of casual speedrunner um, market that they're tapping into by adding adding these kind of mechanics. Yeah, I mean, in terms of the way a professional speedrunner is going to be very obsessed with uh, with the actual uh, statistics of it, um, I, I don't think that they're per se a casual speedrunner who is going to brag to the friend about the time that they beat in. But I think still subconsciously, you you feel that. You feel sort of inherently like, I want to go faster. I want to get through this level as fast as I can. Because the first time I played the game, I was a bit more into exploration. The second time I, I ran through, I was exclusively towed because I just wanted to um, blast through the first uh, you know, four or five worlds or so. Um, but then the game sort of, because of the nature of the hidden stars... Uh, where you can go through a level, but if you didn't get any stars from it, you have to basically go back into it. And you gotta, you gotta seek those down. So that's where the the hybrid of of how say a Mario sixty four Galaxy would approach the more hidden stars. Um, but they're uh, they're putting in, like there were some levels, like especially some of the ghost levels, where I had to go back you know a few times before I eventually found it, even one of them. So I think that's a fun mechanic to hide them in different areas, and I think they do a pretty good job of intuiting where those extra stars would be. Yeah, I think it's um, it's one of those situations where I remember in Mario Galaxy two they added green stars into all the levels, and it's like oh go back and try to find these like secret bonus objectives, and I wasn't really sure what to think of that because. I don't necessarily like the idea of playing through a level and then, like, especially when the levels are sort of meant to be very one-off, like, they're not necessarily designed to go back and right. play through all over again, but just to, like, keep an eye out for this bonus objective. I like the possibility of finding everything on your first time through, of, like, perfecting a level and not necessarily having to go back into it. Like, you might mm-hmm. want to go back into something because it's fun and you want to play it again, but it almost feels like I don't know, when you give an extra objective, it feels like homework, and then you don't want to do it. 
just in a weird way. Yeah, yeah, that definitely, I'd, unless, you know, unless I had, like, would get to the end of the game, which I haven't done, we've exposed, and wanted to go unlock those other areas, that would be the only motivation I'd have to go get more stars, because, or I think there was one spot I'd gotten to around World 5 or 6 where I needed to go back and track down a few stars, but I find if you go to those toe tracker levels, you can really rack up the stars, because mm -hmm. you get about, like, five, I think five or six stars there. Um, you know, speaking of um, a casual speed run, I like the idea of going into a level and having other Miis from the Miiverse, other, other Wii U gamers, having their ghosts that you can race against. And I found that that was, uh, it sort of added a, a nice, it, it, well, it's, it's, there's two things I liked about it. One, they can show you maybe where some secret stars were that you didn't know. And two, it's, it's an added motivation and an added bit of interest to go through the level and try to try to stay ahead of those people. Even though they're not actually in the room with you, I still felt a drive to be better than them. Yeah, it's uh, it makes it more of a direct competition than a sort of like speedrunning for speedrunning's sake. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, the Mario Kart level, where they have a lot of the, the same look of a Mario Kart level, they have a sort of a remixed Mario Kart song, and it's all based around speed bursts and, and ramps mm -hmm. up and down and jumps. And what I liked about that was that that gimmick and a lot of the other gimmicks in this game, as opposed to, say, Galaxy or some of the other Mario ones, uh, Mario, um, he still controls, or Toad, you still control using the base physics of the game. And even though this level is a total homage to Mario Kart, you're still running and jumping, and you're not doing anything different than what you have been doing the entire game and will continue to do throughout the rest of the game. Yeah, they're not giving you like a new control scheme or new abilities that are only unique to that level. Yeah. How, how did you like the, the abilities? Because I, I found that they were, um, as far as I know, you couldn't fly in the game. It was a lot more about floating. Uh, the cat suit I, I felt was very, very overpowered because any jump you miss, unless you miss completely there's almost always something to climb onto and then you're able to wall jump your way back uh yeah i mean i, I definitely think like all, all the mario power-ups in essence like the fire flower gives you the ability to attack and defeat enemies that you would otherwise have to jump on like it's easier to kill enemies with the fire flower than it is with having to jump on them it's easier to make jumps with the tanuki suit like the point of every mario power-up is always to make things like that much easier um, the cat suit just does a lot of different things, like in terms of being able to like climb straight up ledges, or in terms of being able to like um, that sort of dive jump you could do, and right. then you could like cover a lot more distance that way. So it was interesting. I don't, uh, I don't know if it was something that they really went in heavy on in this game, and then we're not really going to see it come back in another title. Um, it would be interesting. I'd love to see it, like. They, they had a, a good range of puzzles that they tackled with this specific power-up, and I think that was the whole point, is that they created this power-up with a set of abilities, and that they wanted to give... Uh, they wanted to create puzzles based around this power-up, and then who knows what... Like, in the new Mario title, Mario can throw out his cap, and I'm sure we're going to see a lot of uh, puzzles and things designed around that. So if that's the central power-up of that game... This was the central power-up of this game, you know, in the same way as that, like, we haven't seen the the Flood jetpack return in any Mario level, but it, there's always, like, another subsequent Mario game, rather, but there's always some sort of power-up in a Mario game which gives you um, 
like a slightly better jump in some way like in Mario Galaxy having the twirl gives you that like just a little bit of extra airtime I know that in some of the newest Mario games they have like the air cancel like you can in midair at any time just hit the button and Mario will do like an extra little twirl in midair just to give you that little bit of extra glide time and I think anytime you have a power up like that it just makes it easier to error correct I guess because Mm -hmm. Sometimes what you expect from a jump arc doesn't line up exactly with how it tends to go. And rather than, uh, you know, that miscalculation resulting in a death, having it, the ability to, like, realize you got it wrong and then use the ability to error correct as opposed to having to just, like, do it all over again, um, I think that's much better. I think people appreciate that. Like, because you still have to do something. It's not like it's automatically error correcting for you. You have to use that ability. Mm-hmm. So it's not like it removes the skill or the interaction from it, which is great. Yeah, it just sort of uh, it just extends the ability just enough, but without it being. I mean, the flood does that in a way, but I think the the problem with the flood was that it made long jumps so easy that you had to extend a lot of the levels, and I think that that slowed down the pace. And you spend a lot of time just floating. Whereas I feel like in this one, yeah, you'll be floating, but it's it's there's most of the jumps are, are pretty short, and it's more about verticality, um, platforms disappearing, and I really I like I love that if you jump, things change. So you have to you have to thinking that extra step ahead is is always a nice addition to a platform. Do you know puzzle. Do you know what I'm I'm horrible at those levels. Like they had them in Mario Galaxy as well, and I think I died more on those levels than anything else, just because like. Somehow my brain does not compute the fact that, like, okay, I'm going to jump, and this platform is going to drop out from under me and reappear over there, and when I hit jump, I'm going to, nope, I did it backwards, I got it wrong, (laughs) I'm falling to my death. So I don't know why my brain just doesn't work like that, but I do appreciate those levels because it gives me a real challenge, although sometimes it's a bit... uh, it's like, okay, going to put this down and come back to it in a little bit. And those ones are... Almost impossible if you have another person, or I couldn't imagine doing. Oh those God, I can't people. imagine. <laughs> oh God, no. Yeah, where the ones in Galaxy that really threw me off were when you'd be on a platform that would be moving, and then the gravity would change as you hit different areas, and you had to suss out ahead of time where you were going to be. But yeah, I mean, even when those were challenging, it was. Um, it's it's nice to see that people can accuse Nintendo of of writing the same sort of games and the same characters, but. They, they still have ways of pushing forward the idea of platforming in a genre that just really is, is not being used. I mean, a quick aside, Ukulele had just come out, and um, I see all this love for Banjo-Kazooie in those games, and I feel like I never really got into those ones because playing Banjo-Kazooie in the N64, they to me, they always felt too slow, and it wasn't really about jumping. It wasn't about the challenge of navigating a character in a 3D space. It was more about just spending time picking daisies. Mm. So it was more about, like physically moving around the environment than it was about making jumps yeah and and i didn't enjoy the actual feel of moving i think that's what nintendo and mario has always been the gold standard of is making making uh the joy of movement their top priority yeah uh you know that's mario's Jumpman after all that's right now let's talk about some wii u gimmicks i wasn't really a big fan of uh tapping on the the tablet to control platforms on the screen i felt like that didn't really make a lot of sense because i couldn't look at both at the same time i didn't really mind blowing into the into the wii u tablet because i could still look at the screen Mm -hmm. at least how did you find those gimmicks well you know i think i played most of the game on the wii u tablet because 
like a lot of single player Wii U games, it became the sort of thing I admittedly I was playing like in the bathroom. So okay. I always had the tablet in my hands and I was always using that to play and I was always looking at that screen anyway. So it was never like I was looking up or down at one screen or another. Um, I definitely feel like those tap blocks were really cool and used, uh, utilized much better in Captain Toad Treasure Tracker. Um, I thought they were interesting and I'm not sure how they could have had them in the game without use of the gamepad. So again, that's just Nintendo creating the technology and then utilizing it to in, add a bit of novelty to the experience. Because like in the New Super Mario Brothers games, they had uh, the platforms that are controlled by tilt, and I think you probably hated those much more than the tap oh, the screen. Because yeah. at, least, at least the touchscreen's precise. At least, especially with fixed camera, you're always tapping like where you mean to if something doesn't work mm-hmm. out, it's because you weren't necessarily aware of the uh, like where the platform would shift to after you've tapped it or something. Um, mm-hmm. But that's that's all kind of like part of figuring it out. Like it's a puzzle, right? So I don't know. I, I didn't necessarily love it, nor did I dislike it. But I, I thought it was just like you know one more thing that they added into the game to make a certain levels feel different or fresh. Now, uh, let's talk about the soundtrack a little bit. They, I think they went a little bit away from the almost, the almost formal sound of the orchestrated Galaxy and Galaxy Two soundtrack. I think, yeah, and and I think, yeah, the worst case scenario, it sounds a bit cheesy, a lot of saxophone. Um, but in the best case scenario, I try to think of it as the. This sounds a bit more like a band playing. Um, and, and, and it definitely has like a fun atmosphere to it. Mm-hmm. Like the ice world track. I love so much. It's, it's sort of like mm. a, it's in world three. It's a, it's more like a, like a very beautiful lullaby. And the first, uh, the first castle music, which appears later on in the game, but not in all the other ones. That's got a very kind of like, um, Egyptian scale. It sounds like, it sounds like an action theme from uncharted. So I found those two were great, and there were a couple other standouts. But I feel like the music in this one was—I um, noticed it being more repetitive than usual. Yeah, I—I I mean, for me, I just don't like saxophone. Admittedly, like it's just not the kind of instrument I like to hear. Um, so when a lot of the game does rely on saxophone, like I think the the swamp track in this game, I just outright did not like. Like anytime they use that and then it they have a reprisal of that theme in captain toad treasure tracker and i'm like oh guys like i don't know even playing paper mario sticker star which i dislike for a number of other reasons that game was very heavy on the saxophone i was like guys take the saxophone throw it away i'm so sick of hearing it uh michael buble outlawed saxophone solos on his tour (laughs) just invading all my Mario games and I I love the Mario Galaxy soundtrack like in contrast I have every Mario Galaxy almost every single song in my perpetual playlist of music so love that wasn't a huge fan of the departure nor was I a fan of the direction that the departure took Um, overall it served the game like reasonably well Um, like I said there was only one track I actively disliked but like again sound design wise every mario title is always like top notch in terms of polish and uh visuals like everything the the way like the grass looks like fuzzy and the dirt doesn't look 
like grimy, but it's got a nice bit of texture to it. Just everything mm-hmm. about this as an HD Mario title just really shined, like especially um, if something was like wet or had water running down it. Um, yeah. Really, really pretty game. And I don't think it gets enough credit for that because it's like people just think of it like, oh, it's it's Mario. It's just simplified shapes and forms like no but if you look the detail is all there and it's it's really nice like even the fuzziness of the cat suits um or just the the glint on the uh those transparent pipes like everything was hd and like really really nice looking yeah i think um mario games because they're so familiar to people they don't quite get the credit in terms uh, not only just of, in how well executed they are, but like you were saying with the visuals, people know what Mario looks like and they go, right, it's just another Mario game. But really, uh, the detail is there. There's some, yeah, that the water effects running down the camera. They don't they don't abuse any of those camera effects like lens flare, you know, J.J. Abrams style. They, they they have a nice um they have a very nice subtle touch to them. Uh, what did you think of the geometry of the level design? There's the obviously. If if the 2D Mario games were made on a grid, this was made on sort of a three-dimensional grid with a lot of cubes. I, I liked it. I thought that it 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 um it communicated really well when I was playing what could be jumped on and, and how I could interact with objects. But did you think that it ended up being a little too samey or did you you like their approach? No, I mean it it, it serves the gameplay, right? Like you have uh, you remarked early in this episode about how this is now limited to an eight-directional sort of game. Like, you don't have the complete freedom of movement. Um, actually, didn't you... Like, when you start dashing, don't you get freedom of movement? Isn't it switch away from, like, the eight-directional? No, it's always eight. I always to eight. something about that. Always eight-direction. Huh. Well, it, it um, just because of the, the, the control scheme being limited along those axes... Um, having the design of the environment be very, like, shapely and blocky just fits that really well it gives you a good sense of what you um like your your paths of traversal line up with the paths you can actually move along so yeah it just it's a decision that was made to serve gameplay so i i think they made um they they did like i don't know it it looked nice in spite of that what can i say yeah and that's that's a strength of nintendo at their best is that a lot of a lot of the decisions are made to serve um, the, th- the themes of the game and to serve gameplay, you know, locking it to eight mm-hmm. directions uh, using this geometry, it all works together and informs just a very intuitive level design and just makes a game that is uh, is very breezy to to run through. I found that this was just my overall experience of it was just rushing forward and constantly surprised by all the different charming additions they put into the game. Um, I feel like they they sort of brought back a bit more of the enemy ferocity um, mm-hmm. as compared to the 3D ga- the other 3D games, the more open ones, where you're not really too worried about enemies. But because you have sort of a limited area to go around in and some actual like 2D areas, they are mm-hmm. able to make it a, a bit more dangerous where I would actually die to some of these enemies a lot more yeah. often than before. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's it's always nice to have the, like, um, especially some of the... Uh, some of the enemies that enacted that acted on the terrain, like the spikes throwing the um, the rollers and the the things that like create stage hazards that you have to jump over. You can't attack them or kill them. They become they're just invincible right. hazards. So it was it was a nice balance. Definitely, it it made the levels feel much more alive. And it's not just 
um, like when you ever, whenever you have an enemy that's like more of an organic element to the game, it feels much more interesting than a simple, um, like I don't know, a spinning fire bar. Just never quite feels as interesting as something that at least pretends to be alive. If you know what I mean. Oh yeah, no, I know what you mean. It's I. I always think when I'm going through these, um, say the uh, a spinning fire bar laden Bowser Castle. Like, does Bowser have a secret way to get to his lair, or does he sort of paint himself into a room? He's like, Haha, Mario will never get through this. And then he realizes he has to go to the bathroom, but the only way to get to the bathroom is to cross ten fire bars spinning around, and he goes, I'll just hold it. Do you know what? Do you know what? I think you're reading too far into it. I probably am. What did you think about? I think it's it's a game. And again, yeah. this is what we were saying before. Everything serves gameplay first. Like, it's never... You never feel like... You know, like, what is this world you're playing in? What are all these, like, flying blocks and platforms? It feels whimsical and happy, and um, it feels like a level. It doesn't feel like the... It's not a town. The worlds that we're in. Yeah, and that's, again, one of the things you kind of lose between this and a Mario Galaxy game, where, like, those were definitely still levels, but there were, like, inhabitants and creatures and spots where things lived, and, you know, it's not like... I imagine that this is a perfectly sustainable ecosystem that they have set up in the Mario Galaxy world. But, like, Delfino Plaza especially felt like a very, like, real place in terms of the the way they were able to construct, like, all the the houses and the shops and the tourist destinations and all that. So it just, that made it feel a little cohesive. And it's something you're naturally going to lose when you move to a more, like, level-by-level sort of... uh, method of construction, but I, again, it serves gameplay, so I don't. Mind. Yeah, and Mario Sunshine is, from what I've seen, typically the most uh, crapped upon Mario game. So maybe they realized, oh, we tried to make it cohesive and nobody cared. So back to the uh, back to the drawing board of it. Mm. I, I don't know. Like I, I remember playing through that game when I was a bit younger and finding it like frustratingly difficult. So I'm not sure if I'd played it when I was a bit older, like at the, I feel like I've sort of plateaued on my sort of gaming skill, but I definitely feel like I'm better at games now than I was when I was a kid. So who knows how I would have experienced Mario um, Sunshine if I were to play through it now. Not that I necessarily would go back and play it, just because I've gone through that gauntlet and I have emerged and I am not going back into it. So it's an experience I'll have to pass on. That's you know that's kind of the thing with games that we're seeing a lot in the modern age, especially with AAA games, is that I feel like they have to be well. The developers seem to feel like a game has to be really, really long, and I feel like they become this um, this you know a, a good enough experience to go through at first, but then maybe you lose a bit of steam. Maybe you don't even finish it. Um, but I feel like with 3D World, it's a lot more focused, or especially new Super Mario U. There are these experiences that I feel like I could go back and and, uh, and run through. Like Mario 1, 2, and even 3, those are games that if you were sitting with a friend, you could play through those in an evening. And I feel like they kind of lend themselves to, to going back to. Whereas Mario 64, I might go round around in one of the worlds, but I don't think I could ever go back and, and collect 120 stars again. I don't know if I'd want to go through Sunshine and complete it. And even Mario Galaxies. They're they're big games, and I, I just don't I don't I don't feel that draw to ever go back, and I wonder if that's almost to the detriment out of it. Where 
maybe yeah you'll get a longer amount of hours you could play through the first time but over over the years over my lifetime i'll probably spend a lot more time on the mario's that i can complete in a shorter amount of time it's sort of like the difference between people who choose to upload videos in 10 minute chunks with like a new upload every day versus someone who uploads like a hour-long video at the end of the week it's like you know, honestly, I'm much more likely to watch the 10 minute chunks than I am the hour long segment just because I can't commit that amount of time in a single sitting. Even if YouTube now sometimes remembers where you left off on a video, it's just the ease of consuming the sort of smaller bite sized chunks that makes the, those experiences easier to go back to. Mm -hmm. It's less daunting to to look at and uh, and even if you end up sitting there and watching all six of them and you and you spend the same amount of time or more mm -hmm. uh, it just seems like well it's kind of like no one ever sits down and says I'm going to eat 30 cookies yeah but you might eat 30 <laughs> you just cookies look up one at the at a time. empty package you're like oh anyway so did you have any uh any closing thoughts on this game and and it's in its place in the Mario franchise uh you know we we covered pretty much everything i just uh like those um the, what did you think of the like question mark block houses, like the ones that to distinguish them from the regular question mark blocks, but the like purple ones, you know, the ones you sort of jump into and play like short bite sized levels, like really like complete them within 10 seconds, but do a whole bunch of them in a row. Okay, I, I I liked those. I liked the the challenge of it and sort of the the switch of the pace. And then again, using the same physics and mechanics of mario mm -hmm. so yeah I, f I found that those were um uh yeah quite fun yeah i definitely i like those as well and uh there's definitely a super challenge one of those near the end of the game which i don't know if i got all the stars from um and then there's the super enjoyable like little captain toad levels which eventually inspired the full captain toad treasure tracker game so that was just a nice little again as you say, using the mechanics from the actual game, aside from the fact that you can't jump, like having this little more like mm -hmm. puzzle oriented in nature. Yeah, those were a nice uh, those were a nice break after uh, to sort of slow the slow everything down and and just have your have your mind think in a different way while using mostly the same mechanics, but a, a limited move set, and then having mm -hmm. the nice bonus of even yeah, we've slowed you down, we've forced you to go through this, but they give you such a gigantic reward. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed those. It's it's almost got me convinced to grab the Treasure Tracker Toad game, but I haven't pulled the trigger yet. Yeah, it's a pretty fun game. If you enjoyed those levels at all, I'd say you'll like the overall game. Like I have played through that one with my sister. Like we would um, take turns on it, and uh, it's nice to have the. <laughs> Some of them are definitely like really interesting, brain tickling puzzles when you're trying to go for the. Uh, like the every every level has a sort of like play it to completion and then there's the mastery condition for it some of the mastery mm -hmm. condition ones are very interesting and challenging so it's it's a game that's easy to get through but then hard to get the sort of 100 percent mastery thing but you always unlock new content as a result so it's pretty cool i would recommend it cool yeah i mean in a in summation on my end i i would put this game pretty damn high pretty darn high in terms of uh, uh in the mario franchise it's a game that i i think about going back to i mean i still need to complete it uh <laughs> but i just i love it i love the the multiplayer nature even though that's not the ideal way to play i love that they just put it in there anyways because they know that everybody's got all these wiimotes hanging around and everybody knows how to play mario so why not i love that it 
it seems to be the best of both worlds in terms of 3D and 2D because I am more of a fan of the 2D Mario games. And I think that it gets back to what 2D Mario's, um, what I love so much about 2D Mario's. It's it's a beautiful game. Uh, and I just, I think the biggest shame is that it was stranded on a system that not a lot of people bought. And I really, really hope that they somehow, you know, maybe port a version yeah, I can easily to, see the the switch. to the Switch. I th- I think they probably unless they they have a real dead spot in releases, but I don't think they're going to put it out until Odyssey comes out. I don't think that they'd want to cannibalize their Mario market. Yeah, it's going to continue to sell maybe some Wii U's between now and the Odyssey's release. So, yeah, I I definitely I I was sort of in a similar spot. Like it's it's a if nothing else, it's an easy Mario game to get into. Like if you're just now hearing of this thing called Mario or more realistically, if you know someone who hasn't really gotten into gaming and you want a nice thing that you can sort of share an experience with it's a great way for someone two people of different um like skill levels in gaming to participate in together well there you go this has been episode 35 our next episode will be coming out in two weeks i've been matthew falvey you can find me on twitter at game think talk and attila you can follow me on twitter at bluish green pro or check out my website bluishgreenproductions.com Thanks, everybody. Bye for now. 